0: We're going to get into the Word. I'm going to read a story um, that I think really just helps us to launch into this message today. Um, The story uh, is fictitious. It's just uh, a story that really helps us to come closer to something that I really want to share with us today. Uh, The title of the message today is called, How to Share Your Faith in This Season. How to Share Your Faith in This Season. Fantastic for the response. Let me say that again. The title of the message today is How to Share Your Faith in This Season. (laughs) All right, all right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. right. Okay, so I know the enthusiasm's there, all right. Um, For anyone who thinks that that was forced, it wasn't. It's just, it's just called second time. (laughs) All right, Um, let me read. A man cuts his finger one day doing some gardening, and his wife suggests that he goes to the hospital. After some persuasion, he decides to go. He arrives at the hospital car park, goes in to the entrance where he gets in, when he gets into the room, he sees a sign saying welcome and an arrow pointing to two doors. One door says emergency, the other door says not emergency. So he goes through the door, not emergency. When he gets into the room, he sees two more doors. One door says over 40, the other door says under 40. So he goes through the door that says over 40. He arrives in another room and it also has two more doors. One door says internal, the other door says external. So he takes the door that says external. He arrives in another room with two more doors. One says upper body and the other says lower body. So he takes the door upper body. He arrives in another room which has two doors. One door says serious and the other not serious. So he takes the door not serious and ends up back in the car park. <laughs> when he arrives back home, his wife says, How'd you go? Uh, did they help you? And he says, No, <laughs> but they were organized. <laughs> The goal is to help people, all right? I'm not shouting, I'm just (laughs) trying to make a clear distinction here. Our goal should always be to help people. And if you can be organised, double bonus. (laughs) I love this story because everything's working. The doors are there, the communications are there, the labels are there, the giving envelopes are on the seats, the people are wearing welcome home t-shirts, the lineads are there, even the digital technology for checking in the kids is working, sometimes. The Wi-Fi wifi's working, the drummer's happy, the keyboard player is over there with his wife. Why are you sitting on your own YouTube? Computer screen is working at the back. The sound mic is working. Connie's hungry. All our lovely friends from Rotterdam have made it safely to Berlin. So you can see a lot of things are working, but the question always comes down to, but is anyone being helped? And I like this story because it just really gets down to it. I want to have things organized. Where there's leadership... Leadership always brings uh, people out of chaos towards order. One of the things is if there's a lot of chaos, I guarantee there's no leadership. So if you're on a team, it's chaotic. There's no leadership. I guarantee you can get that one for free. But if there's order, I guarantee there's a sense of expectation and leadership. And so I want to share with you again today, just really from God's Word, uh, a perspective about the importance of us, you and me, just sharing our faith. Sharing our faith, is that such a hard thing to do? Well, when you talk to some people, it's almost like, don't talk to me. Don't look in my direction. Sharing your faith is something we all have the ability to do. Every single one of us. If you know Jesus, if you've committed to Him, you've said yes to Jesus, you're following Jesus, you're a Jesus follower, you have the ability to share your faith in a profound way. So I wanna talk to you about a situation In the book of Acts, I've got lots of verses on this, but because of time, I'm only going to focus on one of them. And I really want to share with you just the importance of what happens when we decide to share our faith, no matter where we are, no matter where we've come from. And if we're willing to share our faith, how does God use that profoundly for His kingdom, for His purposes? And so I'm going to read to you from Acts chapter 11, verse 19 to 24. Um, This is, again, the story of the Holy Spirit in the church. It should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit, the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the Church, whatever you want to call it. The book of Acts is very much about the Holy Spirit working in very unusual situations and also working in very ordinary situations. But one thing about this story is that there was a tendency for culture to get in the way of what God was wanting to do. And this story I'm about to read to you is when we put our culture secondary to kingdom culture, how God uses it in an extraordinary way. Everyone's got a culture. Everyone grew up somewhere. Everyone's come from somewhere. And we've got to all realise that culture in itself is not an enemy to God. It's just that if we're not careful, cultural narratives can get in the way and could start limiting what God wants to do. So let's have a read and let's find out what's going on. Meanwhile, the believers who fled from Jerusalem during the persecution after Stephen's death, Stephen's death, traveled as far as Cyprus, Antioch, spreading the good news, but only to the Jews. However, some of the believers, say it with me, some of the believers, some of the believers, Some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene also gave their message about the Lord Jesus to some Greeks. And the Lord honoured this effort so that large numbers of these Gentiles became believers. Some of the believers stepped out of the comfort zone, out of their cultural zone, and they stepped into the calling zone and they actually did something unusual. They talked to people that were from a different background. Now, most of us would look at this and miss it. We're not really aware of some of the cultural tensions. The language in this New Testament letters often are insiders, outsiders, or you could say Greeks, Jews. And we get insight from Paul uh, through the letters of the New Testament where we are all basically united around Christ. So there's neither Jew, Gentile, male or female, slave or free. We're all found common ground in this person of Jesus. So what I am trying to say here is is that they, whoever they were, but some of them found themselves being used by God in an unusual way because they were willing to share their faith with someone that wasn't in their group. Someone wasn't in their tribe. Someone wasn't from where they were from. And we know that the church started with Jews. Jesus was a Jew. We know the church started in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit was poured out in Jerusalem. We know that the instructions were, don't leave Jerusalem till the Holy Spirit's get on you, get in you, get through you. And the Holy Spirit has been moving ever since for the last 2,000 years for whosoever believes. And I love that. So what I find is interesting is that the Lord honoured this effort. So large amounts of people. So what's on the other side of a decision? What's on the other side of stepping out of your comfort zone? What's on the other side of just deciding to do something maybe you've never done before? What could that do to us? What could that do to our church? What what has that actually done for our church in the last 14 years? We've got to be willing to step out of the comfort zone into the calling. Joyce and I left London where things were comfortable and it became uncomfortable because we had to now step into the calling. And I pray for all of us that we will be willing to live a life of mission and calling no matter where you are, no matter what your job is right now, no matter what your studies are. You're on mission. You're on mission. You're here for a mission. You're here for a purpose, amen. So they spoke to people and God honoured their effort. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, they sent Barnabas to Antioch to help the new believers. So there's an acknowledgement that new believers need help. And when he arrived, he saw the wonderful things that God was doing. Wonderful things that God was doing. I wonder how many of us, when we see salvations on Sundays or we hear the report of salvations, not one Sunday goes by where we don't see people give their lives to Christ. I wonder if we are going, wow, look what God is doing. That's one of the values of our church, that we will be a house that honors salvation. And and I think it's something we've got to be careful of, that we don't become so familiar that we forget to rejoice again that there is salvation and the working of salvation through not just the individuals, but through the collective. A healthy local church will always be a magnet to a lost dying generation, 100%. So this is why we've got to always stay outward focused. So Barnabas was excited and he was there and filled with joy and encouragement. And he encouraged all the believers to stay close to the Lord, whatever the cost. So Barnabas came in to help them. To say, hey, I know now you've met Jesus, but stay close to Jesus no matter what the cost. And sometimes you've got to pay a price to stay with Jesus. Sometimes you've got to walk away some friends. That's my story. I came to Jesus at 23 and not all my friends were shocked. I was the worst of the worst in the sense of, I wasn't a bad guy, I was just selfish. But the point I'm making is I was just like most people, just my world was really about me. I just made it look like it was about you. No response to that one. Okay. I wasn't a druggie, I wasn't this person, I wasn't a criminal, I wasn't that. I was just a human being lost. But what I am trying to say to you is when, my, when I said to my friends, I'm now going to Jesus, I'm, I told my family, uh, they were all shocked. I was the least person that would be a church person because I never grew up in church. And so I started going to church and I'm, I've, I've met Jesus. I've encountered Jesus. And I remember all my friends coming and they were like, we just got to see this for ourselves. They all came to church. And eventually, after a couple of years, I, I met Joyce after six months. Then we started dating for two and a half years. And then eventually we got married. Some of my friends, not all of them, some of them had already departed by then. So some of them actually came to my wedding. They were like, yeah, we're coming. We just can't believe this is happening. And I remember them coming to the wedding. And, and I'd say, yes, to Joyce, Joyce. And when, and, but what I'm trying to say to you is from that day on, I never saw them again. They chose to go their way. And what I'm trying to say to you is, is that he encouraged them to stay with the Lord no matter what the cost is. If you're going to stay with Jesus, you're going to have to make decisions about who you hang with. And this is where it gets tension. Well, how am I ever going to win anyone to Jesus if I'm all hanging with Christians? I'm not saying that you stay with the Christians all the time. It's stay with the Lord. Amen? Stay with the Lord and let Him be the compass and the wisdom in your life for who is around your life. It's not about harmony with Christians, because seriously, you can become a follower of Jesus and within three years become so self-righteous, you're useless for nothing. Did he just say that? Yes. No, because there's nothing worse than becoming a follower of Christ and then everything is just, everything's just like, you can become so insular, You go to church now, you know the songs, you've bought the CDs when they were alive. You can be so provided for as a Jesus follower that you actually have zero impact on the world in which you live. I think sometimes you can get so church churchy and so Christian Christian Christiany that you completely lose this revelation that God wants to use you to be a bright light for someone else. I'm not asking for you to stay in a toxic environment, but sometimes we give up too quickly when it gets a little bit too tough. And let's not be a generation that are known for our quittability. It got hard, quit. No, 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 you can't just quit. Your character will never be developed if you just quit. You gotta push through some things. You gotta to learn to hold on to the Lord and let Him walk you through these things. So I love that Barnabas was giving them great advice and it wasn't even advice i believe it was wisdom 20 uh, verse 24 barnes was kind and encouraging person full of the holy spirit strong in faith as a result look at what happened large amounts of people were added to the lord and again this is just a reminder that if people are coming to know jesus There's help needed for them to flourish and grow in their faith. Let's be that kind of church where it's not the man with the mic, it's the spirit of the people, it's the community of the house. You don't build a church from the platform, you build the church from the seats. You build the church through community. And let's be at Discovery this week. Maybe for some of you, it's like, you know what? I don't know where to get involved. Maybe for some of you, it's getting involved in Discovery. Sitting down with someone like me when I was 23, how do I move forward in my Christian faith? How do I even open my Bible? I didn't know anything, but because people took time for me, I was able to grow in the ways of the Lord. I believe we have a great future if individually and collectively we are willing to share our faith. How many of us are willing to share our faith? How many people really actually want to share your faith? How many people are sharing their faith? You don't have to put your hand up. But let me give you some basic things, and I'm going to try and give this in context of who we are as a church. So let me come back to the basics of how to share your faith. And honestly, it is so basic. The first thing, number one, just let people casually know that you go to church or at least just let people know that you have faith. You don't even need to mention church. But in my years of experience living in Berlin, moving from London, I had to learn that there are ways to share faith. And, and it's not sometimes the way I, was, I, I learned earlier on. It's, London's a different city. Berlin's a different city from London. Um, you know, and, and, and so I had to adapt. And one of the things I've learned is what I'm sharing with you is I just let people know I didn't wait too long. And there's sometimes where you get to know people, especially when your kids go to school, you get to mix with all the parents. You get to mix with all the other, when the kids has a birthday, um, you go to their house and you get to meet the parents. And when we have a birthday, we invite their kids and we get to, so you got to interact with people. Even though I'm pastor a church, uh, so everyone in my world is Christian, me and Joyce just because we had children in school we already had a natural world that we could engage with amen and so we have always just had to practice our faith in a very ordinary way like all of us do so we just let people know that we have faith and so what I'm trying to say to you is is Berlin has got a past it's got a soil it's got a history it's also got a soul which is its mentality People don't come to Berlin to build a church. They come to party. They come to escape. They come to do anything that is not even closely related to godly. Hedonism and narcissism, it's in its heyday here. And so building a church, sharing your faith, you have to have some understanding. Okay, God, how can you use me because I'm now living in Berlin? And if you don't understand, this is the context of their story. They were in Antioch. They were from Jerusalem. They found that God was using them even in a different city. This is not about you. This is about what God wants to do in you, through you, in us, through us. And that's what's needing to rise up right now. A spirit of faith because we know how God works. Amen. So casually just let people know. I have faith. My faith helps me. The last three years with the pandemic and everything going on, man, my faith has really helped me to keep my w- head above the water. You're not saying you've got it all together. You're just saying, hey, my faith has helped me. That could be the clue for someone to go, really? What faith have you got? Or when you go to work tomorrow and they say, what did you do on the weekend? <laughs> I went to church. You what? You got a cold? No, I went to church. Did you say you went to church? Yeah, I went to church. I didn't, you don't look like a churchy person to me. If we want God to be building His church like He has for 2,000 years, He needs to work in us and He needs to work through us. And it gets complicated because we get complicated. Sometimes over the years, someone would ask me, Pastor, what's the evangelistic strategy for the church? And I would always say the same thing. You, you, you are the strategy that God has always used. And if you work, He moves. And why is that so complicated? It's not. It's just how God works. And it's an invitation. It's not manipulative. It's not forced. It's a response to the love of God and forgiveness and acceptance that He has poured into your life. I can't help myself, amen? I am ruined for anything else because He's got a hold of me and I've got a hold of Him. But what I want you to know is um, we need to be able to be at least willing to locate ourselves. And that means you don't have to say everything, but just casually let people know, I have faith. But because of your spirit and your persona, people are not threatened by it. Maybe they're just curious. And that's all God needs to work with is just the seed and the water. Number two, ask people spiritual questions. Ask people spiritual questions. It's not for harm in asking questions. What do you believe? I've heard some amazing, crazy, crazy, insane things that people believe. But asking spiritual questions, it it helps you to kind of see where people are up to. to. Helps you to understand a little bit what their worldview is or what their belief system is. But this is the key. Don't correct them even if they say crazy things. Maybe practice repeating back to them what they say and even then they might say, did I really say that? Yeah, okay, that's what you just said. That's what you believe. But one of the things that Christians are known for is, is our self-righteousness, our arrogance. We're right, you're wrong. And it's horrible. It's a turnoff at every level. If we're going to share our faith, yeah, ask spiritual questions, but don't correct people. I'm right, you're wrong. It just isn't pleasant. It's not necessary. Try to just understand that it's not actually about correcting people. It's about listening. It's about understanding. It's about getting a bit more awareness of what's going on in their life. Because if you let people talk, we will start to find out, oh, that's interesting. I've got more leads into conversations by listening to people And then allowing the Holy Spirit to work with that. And that's how the Spirit of God works in our society. It's not weird. It's not crazy. It's just ordinary. But you've got to practice some basic skills. Are you willing to ask some questions? Are you willing to listen? And you will be amazed at what people say. And it can help you to be effective with the Holy Spirit. Number three, be there for people in challenging times. You can always offer prayer and support. Even if people don't believe. When they're going through a tough time and you say, hey, I'm going to be praying for you. Most times people will say, thank you. And if you feel you can't say, I'm going to pray for you. Hey, I know it's tough right now. I'm going to be thinking about you this week. I've said thinking many a times. It's a choice. But let me tell you, you want to share your faith. I think how many of us can just be there when people are facing difficulties? They're hurting. Be there. Cook food. I don't know. It's just amazing how God works with it, though. And I'm just saying as a church, this is our strategy. Just think about how you could be used by God by just being in. And you say, well, where's it going to go? It may not go where. What, are going to come to church? Probably not. But let me tell you, it could be, listen, the watering of someone else's seed. No one scores a goal on their own. It takes 11 players and the coach and all of the support team and all of the fans. No one gets someone to Christ on their own. And I've tried to say this many times before. Maybe you're just the seed. Maybe you're the watering. Maybe we're all watering seed that someone sowed. But let me tell you how God works with it. So in other words, just ask yourself, are you willing to be there when people, and many of you already do this, I guarantee, but it's still one of the strengths of sharing your faith. Is that okay? Because when you're there with people who are sharing difficult times, it's amazing how open they'll be to hearing your story. It doesn't mean you will get to share your story, but trust me, when you're there for people, they will remember it for a long time. Number four, share your own story of what you believe and why you believe. Sharing your story, why faith helps you, can really help people to open up. Share your own story. No one's got a story like you. Amen? You believe it? Amen. Number five. Everyone say Number number five. Be creative in how you can help people. Be creative in how you can help people. Think about something that you can recommend. Books often I've given people who struggle to believe. Good books to read. That's helped them to think. But the best way is you. And creativity is endless. Eating with people. Hospitality is probably the thing that me and Joyce use the most. Hospitality and generosity. It's actually what we've built our church with. It's a strategy that God gave us when we came from London to Berlin. So we've been doing dinner parties in the park for every year for years. Um, We all set our tables up. We have food and we eat together in the parks in Berlin in August. And every year, God has used it profoundly to bring people to faith and brought closer to hope and encouragement. And I'm just thinking creativity is endless. There's so many ways that we can use creativity. We can paint, we can write, we can draw, we can cook, we can write songs, we can busk. There's so many ways. And I really trust if you want to share your faith, It's got to have this desire where God, okay, I want to share my faith, then get creative. Creativity is endless. Amen? And it never slows down. So get creative on how you can help people. Number six, people, uh, for example, get creative on helping people. We're going to, we dig a water well every year uh, with an organization. Um, All we do is invite our friends and our neighbors and our work colleagues to pay for the water bill. All we do is run and say, can you sponsor us? That's another way of getting creative. Because when people come closer, it's amazing how they, um, they actually come closer to the why of what motivates you. Let, let me give you another example. Our neighbors, um, through our own dinner parties, when we had, to, when we had a, a pandemic, when the pandemic was on and after that, we noticed that everyone was desperate to get together. So we started doing get togethers in our own area. So we live on the ground floor. We got a little garden in the front and we started just having every time now our neighbors, we're doing it three years and all our neighbors, like when we get together, when we get, it's not once a now, it's like every month they want to get together. And by the way, we shared with them about Charity Water. So they've all started contributing to Charity Water. We, We want to dig a water well. Yes, let's do that. We cook them curry and they give money to Charity Water. Well, it gets better than that. We did child sponsorship. And so now we've got neighbors who don't come to church who are sponsoring children in Uganda through compassion. And the child in compassion is writing Jesus letters back to our neighbors. Out of the mouth of a child. Through the post. And the child... Four, five, six, seven years old, who's an orphan, who's been sponsored and getting finances from this couple in Berlin that don't go to church, and now they're getting letters about Jesus. See, God can do anything. It's just up to us to be willing. Who would have thought a child in Uganda who will maybe never live in Berlin would be used by God to speak and soften the hearts of someone who's in an apartment in Berlin? I'm not saying it's perfect, but maybe it's seed and watering and God brings the increase. Amen. Number six, bring people closer to hope and community, socials, community hangouts, Sunday services, download the Bible maybe, birthday parties. Oh my goodness. Everyone has a birthday once a year. All you have to do is say, hey, I'm gonna invite my friends to my birthday party, my church friends, my work colleagues, And then what happens is, hey, uh, you know quite a lot of people. I've been in Berlin for three years. I don't know that many people. How did you do it? I go to church. Really? Are these your church friends? Perceptions changed. They're so normal. No one's laughing. No one's responding. Sorry to offend you. But I'm telling you, I've done this a million times, and I'm always hearing the same thing. I didn't know they could be so normal. And this is the point. God has always worked with us as a church in bringing lost sons and daughters home through our normalness. But the thing about our normalness is connected to a spirit of faith. It's connected to hospitality and generosity. It's not a program. We're not a cult. We're not Scientologists. We're not wanting your money. We're just wanting to be the salt and light that Jesus has called us to be. And I want you to understand that Bringing people closer to hope and community is something that we all can do. Baby dedications is a great chance to bring people who wouldn't come to church and celebrate the dedicating of their children. And it happens. It doesn't mean they're all going to come back to church. It just means that my perceptions have changed. Oh, wow, I thought this and now I think differently. Some people don't even come to a church, but they'll tell all their friends, go to that church. It's amazing. Mark and Joyce are amazing. I'm always a shock that you would recommend your friends to come here and you think we're amazing, but you don't come yourself. But that's the way it is. That's the way it is. Number seven, the last one. Do you personally know how to lead someone to Jesus yourself? Have you ever personally led someone to Christ? I believe every single one of us can experience the joy and the privilege of being able to lead a lost son and daughter back to Christ. We have this idea about going to a foreign land on mission, to speak to people we don't know, we've never heard, we've never seen, we don't know their context. And does God do it? Yes, of course He does. Of course. There are people that have been used by God. God's not limited, but let me tell you the dominant way God has brought lost and olders home. He uses us on our everyday lives. It's harder to share your faith with people who work with you, live with you, who see you every day in the bike lane. When your app doesn't work, when you're trying to get the Miles and More car opening. When you're down at the groceries and you're buying and I hear this little voice behind me, hello, Pastor Mark. (laughs) Oh, I got a reminder. I got to be nice to everyone wherever I go. (laughs) All I'm trying to say to you is winning people to Christ comes out of the overflow of a forgiven heart. It's your everyday life that God takes and says, take this God. I don't believe we'll wake up every morning going, God I want to win someone to Jesus today. I don't believe that's really what happens. I believe every day, here I am Lord, do whatever you want. But let me tell you, is there a desire in you to share your faith? And there's seven points here, but trust me, there's lots more. But my prayer is that every one of you will have a deep desire to say, God I know I'm a part of a church that wins people. I'm grateful for that. I pray for that. And I'm a part of that. But I also know that you've given me a unique story, a personal story, a personal faith. And I want to be able to share that in a meaningful, respectful, beautiful way. And there's nothing wrong with a prayer and there's nothing wrong with a desire. But watch what God will do with it. Just believe over the summer when we do volleyball uh, competitions in the park. Some people are like, ah, that's not spiritual enough. Do you know how the non-spiritual things become our greatest blessings? People who have come to our church over the years, they came through the volleyball in the park. Why? Because they didn't come to a church service. They came to a volleyball in the park because they like volleyball. And while they were hanging out playing volleyball and eating and drinking and hanging out with normal people, their perception of Jesus and His church was changed. It might have been a seed, it might have been a watering, but God will bring the increase. He just needs us to be normal. Take your everyday life and present it before the Master as an offering. That includes volleyball. I go to this great church where the pastor encourages us to play volleyball. Yes. (laughs) The pastor encourages us to eat together, to have barbecues and to set up tables in the park and to fill it with delicious, yummy food from all around the world. Yes, I love my church. Don't get so spiritual you become useless. It's not one or the other, by the way. It's both. But if you're going to be effective in bringing lost sons and daughters home, follow the example of Jesus. And I really want to encourage you. As a pastor leading an amazing church, I know what our future looks like. And I'm asking you, do you want to be a part of it? But it's not going to be because we're going to get weird or we're going to get self-focused. No, we're going to stay normal. We've all got things that we're working out with Jesus, but He does use us even while He's working on us. What I want you to know is have the kind of spirit that says, Jesus, I want to be like the others. I want to be used by you in a way that I know I can in Jesus' name. So be there as often as you can. Be there when people face challenges. Don't be scared to ask spiritual questions, but try not to correct people. Fix all of their beliefs and worldviews. Just listen and try to understand, try to figure out where people are up to, how they got where they are, why they're in pain, why they're hurting, why they're struggling, why they're lost. You give yourself a little bit of time around food and drink. We live in an amazing city, but this city is a broken city with broken people. And we're here to bring some oil and wine, bring some joy back, bring some strength back, and bring some restoration back we have all been given the Ministry of Reconciliation. And we're gonna do it through a local church. Amen? And I hope you understand what I'm saying today because this, yeah, big message, challenging message, but it's actually a really basic message. Are you willing to share your faith wherever you go? And that doesn't mean preach on the corners. If that's what you wanna do, go for it. But let me tell you, the way I've seen God work over the years is by building a vibrant, dynamic, multicultural community in the city of Berlin and watching what God does with us, through us, in us, and around us. Amen. And that's how people come to faith every single Sunday. And I agree with you. It's not the only day people can come to faith. People can get saved at the bus stop. They can get saved in the dinner party in the park. They can. People probably come to know Jesus without you I got saved in my bedroom on my own. Because the Spirit of God turned up in my life and I didn't know what that was, but I knew something was happening. And then a few weeks later, I was invited to a church. So let me finish with this, okay? And I know I've taken a lot of time today. But I met a guy, a few guys, a few months ago, a few years ago now. And uh, as we got talking about planning the breakfast club for the men and we're talking about food, one of the guys said, I'm a vegan. I was like, oh, okay, good for you. And I just said, casually, I said, how did you become a vegan? He said, I met a vegan. You became a vegan because you met a vegan? Yeah. And then the guy next to him said, I became a vegan when I met him. And he told me about being a vegan, so I became a vegan. And the next thing, five of them in front of me were all vegans. I was outnumbered. And I just thought it was so interesting I said, tell to me, how did you become a vegan? He said, well, I met this guy and this guy told me about this and now I've got these restaurants I can go to and there's a blog that we all support each other and there's a community now of vegan people that we can all hang out with each other and we can learn from each other. There's an awareness now. There's websites I can go to. So my ability to sustain my decision to be a vegan is well supported in Berlin because there's more of us. And I just thought, wow. I wonder if all of Berlin is going to become vegans. Hey, it's possible. But let me tell you why I'm sharing the story, because how do you think people become Christians? How do you think people become Christians? I became a Christian because I met a Christian. Or is your story going to be, I met a Christian, that's why I'm not a Christian turn to someone next to you and say, ouch. Listen to me, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do, but the spirit of the message is others stepped out of their comfort zone and reached out to the Greeks, the Greek-speaking people, and God honored their effort. What could God honor when we get together in the parks this year? What could God honor as we gather as a community of ordinary people from all walks of life? What could God do with us through this summer? And I declare in Jesus' name, this summer will be a fruitful summer in Jesus' name. But it won't come through big stadiums. It will come through the generosity and the hospitality of ordinary people with an extraordinary story. And if you and I can be willing to say that's what I'm up for, then I believe God will continue to honor the work and He'll continue to bless us.